Hello and welcome to the Film Ireland podcast. I'm Gemma Cray and I'm chatting with documentary filmmaker Kim Bartley about her powerful documentary Pure Grit. Thank you so much for chatting with us. It's such a beautiful documentary. Oh my God. I mean, it has done so well. Well, look, it's it, it's doing well, thankfully, but it's yeah. just been a long, long road. Uh, I mean, you know, I think I started four years ago. I mean, I, sh- I filmed it almost over three years, but um, we got hit by COVID like so many others in the middle of it, you know, edited remotely, which I hadn't done before. And then that had a knock on effect in terms of the release, not not so much the editing now, but the, the, the whole COVID delay. So, you know, we premiered in Galway um, the summer before last and, and won Best Doc. And uh, here we are now in cinema. So it's taken a while, but it's great. No, and it's had a great run along the way. Like it's done very well everywhere it's shown. Awards and like accolades and brilliant reviews, like they've followed it around. Like people definitely kind of really just immediately get it I think when you see it it's so poignant yeah it is it's a really I mean a few people have said that it, it, it almost plays like a like a drama which I never thought of it that way but um it has all these incredible elements you know I mean I knew it when I started out that I was I was so blessed with the the her whole hinterland if you like so you've got this stunning stunning landscape then you have this extraordinarily visual uh, sports that she's involved in and not only is it beautiful but it's also extreme and I had never seen it before. How did you become involved with the documentary? It's it's such an incredible um, world. How did you find um, how did you find Charmaine? Like she was such an amazing person. She's so she's so strong. She's so powerful. She's so vulnerable at the same time. Yeah, she's a, she is an incredible character. And I kind of knew from the moment I came across her, even though it was online on through Facebook, I knew, I just knew instinctively that she, she, she was special and that she'd be an interesting person to film with. That was my sense of it. So I came across her, I, I came across her because I started researching Indian relay racing after, after seeing it while I was on a, on a different shoot and, and, and it was extraordinary and you know, very thrilling, very colourful, um, and and but male dominated. So I was interested to see if there were women racers, and I uh, just contacted uh, groups of female racers and other organisations on Facebook, and just ended up hooking up with on Facebook with all these uh, lady racers. That's what they call themselves, and in in the group was Charmaine, um, and we just started chatting and speaking on the phone, and I just. She was just so open. She was so open to telling her story. Now, I didn't know any of the layers of her story. At this point, I was just interested in doing a documentary about racing. Um, And then eventually I made my way over to Wyoming to meet her. And, you know, there was so much more to her story. And she was just so, uh, you know, willing to come on board and happy to to collaborate. And we just clicked. So that's where it all started. Wow, because you do, you... Like it was, it did take place over three years, and so much happens. Like you yeah. kind of you expect to to watch. I'm not going to say anything because I I really hope people will go and see this, and especially see it on the screen because it's so powerful, and you do such an amazing job of capturing the immersiveness of the world, those like the warmth, the alienness of it, the 
the, the, the kind of nature, the importance of nature, like it's all in there and it's so visual and it's so powerful and there's ups, there's downs, there's, there's physical fastness and, and pain. And then it's just this layer of like, oh, like an emotional roller coaster the whole way. <laughs> yeah. It, and, and you see, the thing, the thing was too, I mean, shooting an observation documentary from a distance is difficult. So over the three years that we were over there, I think it was seven times. And a couple of those times was for a week, no more than that. Um, so it's really hard to stay on top of what's happening in someone's life because things do change. And I think, I think life on the reservation t- can be quite chaotic. So I think a, a lot of, there's a lot of drama that, you know, wouldn't necessarily happen in that space of time in my life for example um just because it's it's a tough it's a tough environment it's a tough place to live people are are you know there's no work the winters are really harsh the temptations for people to to drink or just kind of smoke weed all day long because there's absolutely nothing to do and it's freezing cold you know so there's all these elements that feed into a kind of a quite chaotic lifestyle in in lots of ways for a lot of people obviously not for everyone um so yeah so an awful lot happened and and like I said I said I had to do a documentary about racing and about her desire to get back into the into the racing and then all these other things happened not least the kind of love affair the love story which um again as a filmmaker I just felt so blessed because her girlfriend was really really open to the idea of the documentary as well and that's not always the case you know people you know you need everyone to buy into it and in this case everyone did and and Charmaine's family as well so and as you mentioned the backdrop I mean it's the most beautiful remote very very hard to reach but beautiful part of the world and um and for a filmmaker you know that's the dream and we were a tiny team of two so you know we just we just lapped it all up and we were able to go with the flow because we were such a small team as well. So it meant that the intimacy was there at all times. There's this kind of like weight that's pressing down on her and you really get that sense of this kind of like cyclical intergenerational trauma. And as well, you can tell that, by the way, like she's such a, an expert in her field, but yet she's being talked down to so badly by her brother in one of the scenes. And <laughs> yes. you're like, and she's going, yeah, but I know, like, I'm the expert. I'm literally the expert. And he's like, no, but you don't do that. <laughs> and it's, I think those moments capture it so well without saying what it is, is that it, it's a patriarchal society. We're all living in a patriarchal society and she's getting the brunt of it um, and I'm just wondering was there so many moments like that if you follow someone for three years were there loads of things like that that you captured and and had to put on the the floor of the editing room well actually not really because it's funny you mentioned that scene I'll just I'll just mention that scene briefly because yeah. I, I we, we it became known as the man spinning scene in the end it's when you're brilliant. editing and it's fantastic and it's one of those moments where you know it wouldn't have been possible unless people had just really got used to us being around because they just were chatting away as if we weren't in the room really and it just captured it captured that patriarchal society captured the frustrations for her and just being told what to do and and she takes it on board like she wouldn't do something without the brother you know without his blessing yeah. Um, and so, you know, it is, it's, 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 com- it's, I mean, I, I was frustrated filming it. I felt like screaming on her behalf, you know, but in terms of, um, 
having to give stuff up. Look, I think the art of editing is being willing to, you know, to, to let stuff go. Um, but over the years, I've kind of honed my skill of um, being of not overshooting, I suppose. So I'm always very, uh, I, I never really overshoot. I don't come back with hours and hours of footage that I'm not going to use. I'm always kind of editing in my head because I film myself, um, not always, but in this particular case, I was shooting it. So I'm very, very clear on what scenes, you know, even on the day, I kind of know this will make the cut or it won't, you know. Um, so the, the, there was very, it was quite tight, you know, I, I, I'd say the bulk of what I shot ended up, obviously not everything, but the bulk of what I shot ended up in, in the final cut. Again, you're just capturing these these twists and turns. I think some of it now, now that I'm thinking about it, she is lamenting on it. And it, it's it I wonder is like it's an interview piece on her thinking back on it on, on their relationship. But then there's other moments that are like you're in you're in the absolute thick of it. And is it just that it is that chaotic all the time and you're capturing it? Or did you go, look, I know this is when a big race is coming up and there's gonna be stresses on, I'm gonna come for this. How how do you like it yeah. kind of felt like you were there for the three years. <laughs> so well, it's a mixture mixture of things. Obviously, you're always trying to keep. You know, we were always in touch by phone when I was back home in Ireland. So you're always trying to keep on top of what's happening in her life and what is coming up. So obviously, things like races. Um. Then there's always things that you wish you were there for and that no one mentioned. You know, this always happens in documentary where someone says something. You know, you're kind of like, make sure you tell me if there's anything big going on in your life and then you you know speak to them a week later and they've you know had their face tattooed or something <laughs> why didn't you let me know and they kind of go because oh, I just didn't think you'd be interested um so there's always that frustration when you're when you're far away um but um yeah I think that like I mean in in cases where I missed something that I felt was very important obviously then I just did sit down with Charmaine and talk, she talked about it you know in 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 the past but um the other thing that I suppose helps I always feel is that when when I'm working like this it's a really small team so it's myself and my partner who's a sound recordist and so he's on sound and and doing a million other things as well uh to help and I'm on camera and because people get to know us as a couple they don't seem to think of us in terms of a crew as much so you know the the kind of relationship that myself and Colm had with Charmaine and her girlfriend was almost like you know we're 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 all like hanging out together um, and I tend to chat a lot as I'm filming obviously I cut my chat out when I'm in the edit but I tend to it's very kind of casual so that's how I think we managed to capture the kind of very intimate moments because um, well I suppose it's one of the reasons it's one of the reasons I think people just develop you, you look you develop this rapport there's never I don't think you can ever say that people forget the cameras in the room you never forget there's a camera in the room really 100% but I do think we really became part of the part of the scenery as a as a kind of your main subject Charmaine is she's both stoic and again I know I said this before but she's like fair she gets very vulnerable in moments Mm. you know like there's an argument scene between her and, and and her partner Savannah and they're going at it and she won't even give Savannah too much. But yet you have her and you have her captured saying these like 
really beautiful poignant things and really getting to the heart of of how she how she felt about stuff and I'm like I'm just wondering like I know I'm I'm sort of asking the same question a bunch of times but like like how did she do that though well well you know it was down to her she never ceases to surprise me it's it's amazing like you know because there were frustrating moments over the three years there was a you know there was a, a time where where Charmaine was kind of drinking more than she really should or smoking too much weed and or partying and you know that there were there were ups and downs and there were difficult times and um you know there, there were moments where I'd kind of like despair because she wouldn't show up for three days or we'd you know she'd say I'm going to be doing you know we'd fly over from Ireland for a race for instance and get there and she decides on a whim she's not going to race and you're like oh but I mean you know I'm there to follow I'm not there to 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 set the agenda so I follow and I you, you you turn a negative into a positive but in terms of Charmaine herself she just needs time to process stuff and for someone who has had little education and she, she doesn't really read a whole lot and you know, she's had quite a, uh, she's had a colourful life and she's, had, you know, she's tried things out. She's open to the world and that's what's wonderful about her. But she has just an incredible way of expressing herself and she needs time to think and process. So if I put it, you know, if I put a question to her, she'd sometimes kind of go, I don't know, or I, I need to think about it or, you know, nothing. Or, you know, just give you a kind of a one word answer. And then two days later, out of nowhere, she'd say, you remember that question you asked me two days ago, boom. And she'd just come out with this, you know, really kind of profound and well thought out and very often very poetic answer. So it was always a surprise. There, there were always surprises with her. And in many ways, again, watching it, you were saying that you, you weren't sort of the, the architect of the story. You were just there to observe, like, for so long and, and getting to know her for so well and, and following her life like and so much happening in that in those three years like I mean if you had kind of said this happens in an I think in a normal person's life probably over 10 years the amount of stuff that happens and like when they're older um, I'm just you know like that's something that it's just it's like she's so young for all this to kind of happen in in and around and I'm just like do you still do you maintain that relationship now that you that you finished? And when you finished, did you feel a sense of relief or a sense of loss? Or um, I think with every documentary I've ever made, I've developed a kind of a relationship with the film, film I'm, people I'm filming with that that is enduring. Like it 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 it's not necessarily that I see people all the time or talk to them every week or anything like that. But there's a relationship there, and that just stays. So with Charmaine, you know. We, we talk on the phone every few weeks. Um, she's more of a Facebook than a phone person. So, you know, that we're, so we're in touch all the time. Same even with her girlfriend. Um, uh, and I think, I think what I do feel is I think when you come to the end in your mind, when you kind of feel, okay, I, I, this, you know, I have a beginning, middle and end to this story and, and we've no budget left either at this <laughs> point, you, you kind of, feel that you've come I think you know yourself when you've naturally come to the end of the of the of the of the filming process and and you know with an observational documentary it's always difficult because you don't know and it's difficult for funders because they want to know where it's going where it's going or where it's going to end and you you don't really know um 
I knew there was plenty of drama to keep us going, but I didn't know where the story would end. So when it did come to the end, which was actually COVID, we got the last flight home um, before they they stopped flying from the US to Ireland. Um, I kind of knew it felt right. It felt like we'd 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 completed the journey in terms of the documentary anyway and that to kind of hang on any longer would have been too much and you know without giving away too much of the film you know tough uh, there there'd just been a very difficult time for the family um in the in the final months of filming and you know even if you have a good relationship with people and they're happy to share their stories in film there comes a point where you just want to leave them be and not be skulking around with your camera all the time so it, it came to to a, a lovely end and it felt natural at the time and and the, the the relationship is ongoing with her and her family and actually just to just to say about the the funding thing so how do you get funding for something like this do you film an interview with her do a little pitch document come back to screen ireland do you get a producer on board first write a pitch document like what what do you do well, in this case, I mean, as, look, when you can, obviously that is the best way to go is to to film with someone. And, and I did do that in this case, but it, wa- it wasn't by design. I didn't have at that stage any development money or anything like that. I had I had built this rapport with Charmaine, you know, like I said, through Facebook and on the phone. And I was just really, really keen to meet her. I kind of knew in my gut that, that that it would work out, but I needed to obviously meet her in person. And I was on a different shoot in the States that kind of ended early and I had four days spare. So I flew up to to Wyoming and and met her and I had my camera because I'd been on a shoot, but I wasn't planning on filming a whole lot, maybe a little. I really more than anything just wanted to meet her and get to know her. Um, And we just went on this roller coaster four days. We ended up filming for the four days. Everything we filmed in those four days is in the final doc. you know, they knocked on the door of the motel at four in the morning and said, come, come hunting and sure, bring your camera. So off we went. And, you know, so it was a brilliant start. And it meant that I had enough then to cut a really good teaser, if you like, of what she and her girlfriend and family and the landscape at all. Like, you know, I got all of that in four days, which was enough then to go and um, show people what 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 the documentary could be. And then, so you come back, you get funding from Screen Ireland, you get your producer on board. Was like, was it someone you work with all the time or was it like a, a kind of funding scheme that you put in for? No, it wasn't. It was actually Rachel Lysett, who, who I had only worked very briefly with, but I, I had been in touch with her before because of the pipe, which I loved. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I had kind of reached out to her, just, just thought we might, you know she might be a good person to work with at some point and then she got me on board for for two parts of a series she was doing so we just finished working together um on those which was very you know just a brief a brief little uh uh professional kind of um thing (laughs) thing. yeah exactly but I told her about this and she was really interested in it so as soon as I got back then I showed her the footage and she was she signed up so that was great um yeah but again, it is look a, a documentary that doesn't have a, a kind of a an exact story mapped out is always and look most documentaries turn out to be completely different to what people pitch in the first place because that is the nature of a lot of documentary not all but um, 
but this was very very loose you know I, I had no idea if she would race again when she would race again um if she'd even be physically able to race again so there were a lot of unknowns so it was a difficult one to fund from that point of view and when you got all your footage back afterwards how long and and was in lockdown for COVID like how long did the edit take um you know I think we, I, I I actually I'd need to check I think we had 14 weeks but I'm not entirely I can't remember exactly um and I was editing with Paul Mullen who actually won an award for his editing on this and he's an amazing editor and, and a friend and um I was very lucky in that because we've got a good working relationship and obviously this whole remote editing was completely new to me um which I'm sure Paul was delighted that I wasn't sitting <laughs> sitting over his shoulder day and night but I think we already had a real shorthand and a very similar kind of sense of what the story was and of the pace and the, and the tone of it and the music so um so yeah so it was it, it was great to, thankfully because I think I think it could have been tricky doing a remote edit for the first time with someone that you maybe hadn't worked with a whole lot before. But I think it was 14 weeks. I, I, I'm not exactly sure. And just with regards to the footage, so I'm sure you had it sort of mapped out in your mind. This is your narrative arc and 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 would send him notes to the fact and, and going, this is the footage roughly that I'd want to use. Does he bring fresh eyes to it or would it be more so you conveying a vision to him? for him to find or is there like a little um, collaboration there I'm just, I I'm think, just sorry to, I think it's always collaboration I think it's and I think it's a combination like I tend to go into an edit very well prepped you know I've gone through all the footage I want to go through I don't actually go through everything because I know what I've shot now Paul will go through everything so he will find little gems that I had forgotten about or whatever but I kind of map out scenes that I that I scenes or bits of dialogue that I, I I remember shooting and I would have made a note of on the day each day um so I kind of come in very prepared with transcripts and an outline on paper and then Paul goes off and watches through everything himself and comes up with ideas himself so it's a kind of a collaboration I suppose um and then you know we we were really I mean I think for me the music is a huge part of this film and and we had two amazing composers was Kevin Murphy and Stephen Shannon and I think they fed into it in a lot of ways as well so scenes that mightn't have felt uh you know that we mightn't have lingered with as as much or whatever when they're when their tracks came in it was just like oh my god this is beautiful and it just fits the landscape so well let's just stay here for a moment longer so I always I think I think an edit is always a collaboration and it sounds very kind of free-flowing which is which is interesting and actually that's something that I think is quite interesting about getting the the sound in there so would you send them a rough cut and go I'm looking for something to layer over this scene layer over this scene would you have discussed stuff prior to them that of, of, of a mood that you're going for? How would yeah. you sort of create that? Well, in this case, what we tended to do was use guide tracks in the very beginning. So tracks that I felt were the vibe I was looking for. Um, you know, like I had a few kind of Nick Cave tracks in there. I mean, there is one, I think we've won actual, Nick, we have one actual Nick Cave track, but there were just, just, 
music that I felt was the right feel. Um, and and Paul as well. Paul is, has an amazing ear for music. And one thing I did want to avoid is I didn't want to start loading it full of Native American music. I just wanted to do something. So there's a Lancome track in there, which might be weird because it's, you know, traditional Irish in some ways, but it fitted the landscape, I felt. And um, so I we had a number of guide tracks in and we'd send rough cuts with the guide tracks to the to the, the lads. And then they got really into it themselves and really liked the film. So they kind of said, well, look, just let us go off and, you know, let's just, just let us off and let us create um, for some scenes. So it was a mixture of the two, but they were just, oh, I, I, I think they're, they're hoping to release it on Spotify and I hope they do because it's just, I, th- I thought it really added, it just brought so much to the film. I think it's a beautiful soundtrack. There's a lot of vibrancy and youth and, and life in, I think, in, in the, the arc of the story. And I think that's definitely um, expressed through that music. Like it was lovely to listen to and it really matched the pacing. Like, again, you've these poignant moments, you've these kind of fun, romantic moments and it, it works so well. Something that's that close to home how did you kind of approach going back and showing Charmaine? Was, was it something that you'd have to, like, that you'd have to okay with her? Did you kind of say, like, look, are you okay with me including this? Is it something that... Yeah, yeah I mean, I always have that approach with people. I always kind of say to them, you know, you know, your life is more important than film or TV or whatever we're doing here. So if at any stage you're uncomfortable with anything or you change your mind on anything or, you know, you have a horrible wake up at two in the morning going oh god why did I say this or do that then you speak to me and we won't use it you know that that's always I think that's very important for people to to know at the at the outset and then I I mean we had we had great plans to uh travel over to show it to her and to her family but then obviously with bloody lockdown we weren't able to so um I had to send her a link, which I really, I kind of wanted to be there with her to watch it because I knew it would be a difficult watch for her in places. Um, Not so much, not that there were any surprises, but just um, even in terms of the relationship and how that had kind of gone a bit south and everything else. So, you know, I I really, really wanted to be there with her and I couldn't. So we, we, we kind of watched it together on zoom as in we were both watching it separately but we were linked by the phone um watching in silence we weren't talking through it but just I was there if she had any questions or anything you know yeah and obviously you're it's always nerve it's always <laughs> no, nerve-wracking to do things yeah yeah but um but anyway she she loved it so it was just such, obviously such a relief um and then the next step was the family because again her brother her older brother all of that you just kind of hope everyone will feel comfortable um and everyone did so you know it it, it yeah it all went well and then we were, we again covid just really <laughs> put obstacles in the way because I wanted we'd you know we'd had permission from both the tribes um the both the tribal councils on the reservation to 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 be there to film so we'd promised them that we'd do a screening on the reservation and we had everything set up but again because of COVID we weren't able to go over so we were able to hire a room and buy crisps and cans of coke remotely and invite every well as many as as could make it from the reservation to the screening and I was able to you know 
just say hi to everyone on Zoom. So that was brilliant as well, because it meant so much to Charmaine that her community got to see it. Um, because she was so proud of it. So yeah, so it was great. It's such a warm portrait as well. Like it's it's so beautiful. Just out of curiosity, you you were saying about um going onto the reservations. Was there any issue with gaining access to those spaces as well? Because I mean, there are people that have just been screwed over so many times. Did you? Yeah. Have- well, I mean, we had to. There was we we were. I kind of when I first went there, those first four days, I hadn't given any of that any thought. I'd literally just rocked up to her house and we filmed and hung out and then when I when I started you know pre-production and trying to get funding and all of that and and gave it some thought I obviously realized that if I wanted to spend time on the reservation we'd need to 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 speak to the relevant authorities and I approached Taylor Sheridan who um had written and directed a movie called Wind River and has gone on since that to do Sicario and Yellowstone and all of that and Wind River is the same reservation that Charmaine uh, lives on and they had filmed some of the scenes on the res there so I reached out to him and asked him would he be EP on this and kind of set us in the right direction and he came on board and he was able to put us in touch with another um, Native American uh, lawyer who became an EP on it as well and he had all the contacts on the ground and knew everyone so he was able to kind of organize the meetings with the right people. So we had to go in with Charmaine to the tribal council, which was this big you know, room in the round and all the elders were sitting there and we had to present a pitch basically what the documentary was and what we were hoping to, to, you know, to do with it. And she had to explain why she wanted us there and then they had to go off and deliberate. Um, so obviously, <laughs> another nerve wracking, another well. nerve wracking moment. But uh, no, they gave us their blessing and uh, and that was great. So, no, it was it, we never had any issues. The only issue and it'll break my heart till the day I die was the last race in the film Yeah, um, was organized by a different organization than the one that we had filmed it before. And I don't know why or there was no reason given, but they said to us that we couldn't film. And this was the big race. It was the finale of the documentary. Um, so so we ended up having to, to, to film from, you know, on a long lens from three fields away. Uh, and and we had, she had a GoPro and then other people that were there had filmed little bits. But it was that was heartbreaking because it was really meant to be the kind of the, the grand finale. And you know, we, we we couldn't shoot it the way we wanted to. But anyway, we were very lucky up until that moment. And it works. I think in the end, we managed to, Paul managed to to sew it together in the edit. <laughs> and yeah. you don't really realise that we were not we locked out. Around, no. <laughs> yeah. oh. And just with regards to it being received, because it's such a beautiful, universal story. There's love, there's loss. There's so much love, more loss than love and celebrations. And it's so human and universal. How has it been received? Because now it's finally getting its release, but it had an amazing festival run. Yeah, well, it's been really, I mean, this is it. I think that her story is very relatable. So in a way, it's really appealed to people who kind of d- didn't know much about Native American culture. Or, or I think a lot of people are fascinated by it. And I think we all grew up with these ridiculous notions through, you know, cowboy and Indian movies growing up and to kind of have a window into 
a, you know, a genuine slice of life on a Native American reservation, I think has really been interesting for a lot of people. Um, but then Charmaine, just as a character, I, I, you know, I think it'd be very hard not to be, I don't know if charmed is the right word, but taken in by her and by her story um, and moved, moved by it. So it's, um, you know, and then obviously, you know, she, her relationship is with a, a girl. So she's a, a lesbian living on a reservation that is quite conservative and, you know, living, you know, out and proud. But yet, as she says in the film herself, she could count the amount of people out on the res in her two hands and that's it. So I think from that point of view, it's really appealed as well to the kind of LGBTQ audience who who I'm sure many can relate, but also, you know, I think seeing someone fighting their corner uh, in a very traditional society is our community is very uh, is, is interesting as well. So, no, it's been great. It's it's really been uh, I'm just so I'm so proud of her and I'm so proud of the film. And I'm so glad because there were times I thought we'd never get get it to get it out. And all I ever wanted and all Charmaine ever wanted was her story out there so that she could inspire others. So I'm just really chuffed that it's finally, we're finally there. Finally getting to see it on the big screen as well, because it's so beautiful. After putting a kind of full stop to that project, have you, and again, something so long and so emotional, have you thought about, like I normally do, a, what's next in a jovial way, but like, have you kind of decided okay I want to do something completely different for a while just as a as a palate cleanser or is are you inspired to kind of keep down the track that you're in well I think look observational documentary is what I love and I think it's what I do best I've done all kinds of other docs and I love I love you know I I love trying new things but I suppose I'll always have an eye open for a really special character or a story that kind of requires an intimate approach that's that's what I love doing um so you know I have a couple of projects at the moment that are are very different to that that are probably a lot easier to do because you know exactly what the beginning middle and end and there's a bit of archive and there's this and that but you know that type of documentary is, is really what I love so I, I I hope I hope I get to to I hope I find the right story and the right subject very soon for for another one like that because yeah that's what, keep, that's what keeps me going so if the universe blows something into your path then that's when I'm ready to I'm ready to grab it yeah <laughs> fabulous well thank you so much for chatting with us it's absolutely I had heard so much about it and I'm just it it, it really like people kept talking about it and kept saying it was amazing and it actually exceeded my expectations watching it of, of how really gorgeous it is well, listen thank you so much thank that's you really- so much for chatting with me